we talk about it. We talk about those hard topics, you know, and my, my hope is that people will be reading my work and realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm not alone in this. There are other people that are going through this. This is Right Here, Right Now, a podcast brought to you by Vocal, an online platform for creators of all kinds and all levels of experience. It's a place to post, to read, to be inspired. I'm your host, Erica Wagner. This season, we'll hear eight essays all posted to Vocal by independent creators. Afterwards, we get to hear from the creators themselves about what inspired them, what they're working on, and what keeps them going. If you have any questions that linger after the episode, head to vocal.media to leave a comment for the authors right on their essay. Who knows? You might be inspired to write something yourself. Here's Right Here, Right Now. This week, we have a special essay. It's a love letter of sorts from a son to his mother. Jay Delaney Howe's Phone Calls with Mom takes us through all stages of their relationship, from childhood through a tumultuous early adulthood to their dynamic today. I got a chance to speak with Jim about his process of writing this piece. You can hear our conversation after the reading. This is Phone Calls with Mom by Jay Delaney Howe. Phone Calls with Mom Okay, honey, I love you, and give Mark and the kids my love, Mom says. Will do, Mom. I love you too, and I'll talk to you later, I reply. Mom and I talk on the phone four or five times a week. It started during the early days of the pandemic. She has underlying health conditions, so for her safety, we stayed away. She lives with my sister, so she didn't have to face pandemic life alone. I'm so grateful for that. The first year of the pandemic was very lonely for a lot of people, especially older Americans. It is hard to imagine, but there was a time when I wasn't close to my parents. I belonged to a very strict, somewhat extreme denominational church. Aside from that, my father and I had a very strained relationship, which kept distance between us. It wasn't until a few years after my father died that my relationship with my family began to change. My eyes began to open to the hate, judgment, and hypocrisy that I was pushing, teaching, and believing that we are better than people outside of our belief system, that we shouldn't live our lives with people outside of our belief system. I slowly began to realize the damage that I had caused with my family relationships. Shortly after that, my life started to fall apart. Knowing all this background information is essential to understand the present fully, so stick with me here. I am getting to the phone calls with mom. The implosion of my life started when I was diagnosed with a Chiari malformation. In short, Chiari malformation is a deformity at the base of the skull that crowds the cerebellum and brainstem, causing a wide array of neurological symptoms and death in extreme cases. After brain surgery to treat it, my then-wife, 
announced that she didn't want to be married to a sick person in a counseling session. There were many other contributing factors, and I had a mental breakdown and attempted to take my own life. I was hospitalized for about three or four weeks, though that time in my life now seems like a blur. And my memories from then are muddled. During that time, I had one regular visitor, my mother. She worked in the same hospital I was admitted to, so she came down almost every day on her lunch, sometimes after work too. We didn't talk much about anything that was going on, but she was there. We played a lot of cards. I attempted to go home after being discharged from the hospital and work things out with my wife, but it was revealed that she had an affair. In short order, I lost my marriage, my house, my truck, and all the friends we had together. While my life was falling apart, I attempted suicide again. After another couple of hospital stays, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder with suicidal ideations. I was totally unaware that any brain surgery could cause mental illnesses to develop. So when I was finally diagnosed, it was a relief in many ways. But I had lost everything. And my ex-wife filed an injunction to stop me from seeing my children. My mom let me come home. She was there with acceptance, caring, and love, despite the years of distance from my family. In hindsight, my mom's love and support helped me begin to rebuild my life and come to terms with my sexuality. I don't know if she knows that. I don't know if I had ever told her that. And I don't think I have ever truly acknowledged the stress and heartache I put her through over the years. Sometimes it is hard to come to terms with the damage you have caused other people. This is a conversation I know I have to have with her. I'm just not there yet. So back to the phone calls. It would seem as though my timing is always off. More often than not, I call my mom just as she is lying down to take a nap, no matter what time I call. We laugh about the fact that every time I call her, the caller ID on her phone shows I am calling from a different state. We play phone tag every once in a while too. Cell phone service is spotty at times out in the country where we live, so I usually call her on the house phone. If she doesn't answer, I figure she will call me back when she sees I called. Usually though, she calls me back on my cell phone. It is pretty amusing when we're both trying to get a hold of each other. Some days, we don't have much to talk about. So it's just check-ins and I love you. Other days, we talk about politics or the weather. We talk about my kids quite a bit. She is always interested in what is going on in their lives. We talk about what is going on in the family. We talk about shows we watched or shows she should check out. There are times when I am struggling emotionally 
or mentally, and my mom is always there to listen and talk me through it. She also reminds me how far I have come and how hard I have worked to get my bipolar disorder under control and managed. When I started writing, I would bounce my ideas off of her, and she was one of my biggest encouragers. She is a huge Stephen King fan, so my mom knows what sounds like a good story, especially in his genre. She gently lets me know when an idea isn't working as well. Still, other conversations happen that mean so much to me. We talk about how amazing she's always made Christmas time when we were growing up. The holidays were simply wonderful. And it was because of her. I tell her the good memories I have from my childhood. One memory that came to me in particular was from when I was young, maybe four or five, though I have no reference to my age in this memory. I was lying in the grass, and she was sitting next to me, leaning over me, probably singing a song or something. But I remember laughing and giggling My mom had long, dark hair, and I remember this day, her hair flowing downward with a dandelion I had picked for her, tucked behind her ear. The sun was just right in the sky that it cast a golden halo around her head. I remember this so vividly. My mom was a beautiful angel to me at that moment. I tell her that any good in me comes from her because her love and how she cared for us set an example. We talk about memories of my father and wonder what he would think of everything that has gone on in our family. Now and then she will open up and talk about her childhood. She had a very rough childhood and her life with my father wasn't easy either. The incredible thing about my mom is that even with all she has been through and how difficult her life was, is her capacity to still love and show love. It is hard to put into words exactly how much I appreciate how often we talk. It has helped me through some tough times and has helped me navigate some awful situations in my own family. I think part of it for me is making up for the lost time. I realize that one day, I won't have my mom to talk to almost every day. That makes me appreciate our phone calls even more. She is, and always has been, a great mom. I think I am going to go give her a call and tell her I wrote about her. And while I'm at it, I will remind her of how much she means to me and how sorry I am for the heartbreak and worry I caused her. Then thank her for always being my mama. That was Phone Calls with Mom by Jay Delaney Howe. When I got to speak with Jim, we talked about his past, what it was like to write this piece, and the kind of parent he wants to be. My name is Jim Delaney Howe. The piece that we're talking about today is called Phone Calls with Mom. I think it's a wonderful piece about a complex love, and I'm so grateful that you wrote it for Vocal. It's really great to have you on right here, right now, our Vocal podcast today. Tell me a little bit about yourself to begin with. Where did you grow up? 
I actually was born right in central New York, same area that we live in now. I grew up for most of my childhood just outside of Boston, about a half an hour, 45 minutes outside of Boston. So still live in central New York after we moved here. I love the changes of the season. So this is a good place for us to be. I live with my husband. We've been together for seven years. We've been married for almost four. My middle child, he lives with us. He's 21. And my daughter, who is 13, who is actually transitioning into they, them, she lives with us just about three weekends a month. When did you first get started in writing? I don't remember the first thing I ever wrote, but I remember the first thing I ever wrote that was sort of published somewhere. It was a fifth grade poem that I wrote about stranger danger, and it made it into the school newsletter, and I was hooked. (laughs) So back throughout school, that was my favorite part of school projects was the writing, the research and the writing. So I would definitely say school left a big mark on me. I had a great English teacher, my 10th and then again, my 12th grade year. She was just a wonderful teacher. The materials we would read, she brought them to life. She made them more accessible. And yes, there were book bannings going on when I was in high school, and she always had the banned books. So I don't know how she got away with it, but she did. And then I've just kind of been writing ever since. You know, I've had a couple blogs here and there, write poetry all the time. Many family and friends have received poems from me or writings from me. And then last year, I got this crazy idea that I was going to put a compilation book together of all my poems. And so that's still a possibility just further, a little bit further down the line. And it was actually one of my friends who messaged me on Facebook about this writing contest that this place Vocal was having. And it was the Doomsday Challenge. So I've been on Vocal for a little little less than a year now. You say you started writing in the fifth grade, but we change a great deal as writers. And I wonder how you feel your writing has developed from when you were a very much younger person until now. Well, I mean... Whereas before, you know, for a while, most of my writing, as it usually is in school, most of my writing was to inform or a report on something. As far as the poetry goes, that probably really started for me a couple years after high school. And I think my poetry has become a little bit more... In other words, with my poetry now, I'm sending a point or a message or a feeling, or I'm setting a specific moment, setting the scene for a specific moment. So that's gotten better in that aspect. But the rest of the writing, it's funny, I still use the same format. I still do an outline every time I'm about to, other than poetry, I still use an outline. I still write from that outline. So. And tell me what inspired you to write this particular piece on vocal? What what prompted it? It was actually a show that was on TV. It was an interview with an elderly person who had been alone for most of COVID. And, you know, it got me thinking, I think for everybody, it got us thinking about our families. It got us thinking about our family relationships, especially when you couldn't be around a person. And so that's pretty much how this started. It was inspired from that article. And I just 
you know, I'm really lucky to still have my mom. I'm really lucky to still talk to my mom as much as I do. And so, yeah, this piece was, was kind of born out of that. And what did it feel like to put those feelings that you have about your mom into words on the page or on the screen? Some of it was a little challenging, rehashing old things, rehashing situations from a while ago. So that can be a little challenging. But when I was finished with the piece, I said, you know, yeah, this is good. This is what I wanted to say. That really struck me in reading the piece because you write more than just about your wonderful, warm relationship with your mother. You share, in fact, what is a very difficult story of your challenging upbringing, your illness, the breakdown of your marriage, and the way you deal with mental illness. What prompted you to, after writing, because there's a distinction, there's the decision to write something down, and then there's the decision to share it with an audience. How does sharing your work with the vocal community What does that mean to you? I write pretty openly about my mental illness. I've written pretty openly about relationships, family issues. I feel like, especially as it relates to the bipolar disorder, there's such a stigma around mental illness still that I think that one of the ways that we deal with that stigma is we talk about it. We talk about those hard topics, you know, and my my hope is that people will be reading my work and realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm not alone in this. There are other people that are going through this. So as far as the mental illness piece, I I think I, I share as much as I share just because I think that's the only way we're going to remove the stigma is to talk about it, is to get it out there. How does writing help you when you're in difficult situations? Writing for me, especially if I have a lot going on mentally in my head, if there's a lot of noise there, writing is for me a way to get some of those things out. So they're not stuck ruminating in my mind and I'm not playing them over again and again. I um, actually have bipolar. So writing is a huge part of my treatment plan. You know, especially, like I said, just to get the thoughts out, to get thoughts on paper. So there's the emotional side of it that it really helps with. But I think writing also helps me put things in perspective. Like, for instance, if I'm writing about a situation after the fact, I think writing helps me see different perspectives and different angles from that specific situation. When I'm writing fiction or writing poetry, I'm not necessarily writing it to send a crystal clear message or to remove any kind of stigma with my fiction and poetry, that's more about feeling. That's more about emotions. That's more about setting a moment. Different motivations for different kinds of writing. Definitely. When I was talking about the relationship parts and how my marriage fell apart, that's always catharsis for me. That always makes me feel better to kind of get that idea on paper. And I can look at that idea instead of have it ruminate in my head over and over again. So. That, that part of it was cathartic. Are you glad to have written the piece? I am. I am. Anytime that, when, especially when it comes to my mom, I can kind of lift her spirits or let her know how much she means to, not, not just me, to my siblings as well. Anytime I can communicate that to her, let her know that. And the memories that I talked about in that piece, it's important, I think, she hear 
about our good times from our childhood. I think it's important for her to hear exactly how great she made the holidays. She thinks a lot like myself. And so when we can do things like this and talk about the good times, I, I think it helps her, you know, maybe reframe some things in, into a more positive, good light. It's a really valuable thing to recognize, it seems to me, that things can be difficult, but we can also recognize the good and beautiful things that were there at the same time. I think sometimes we tend to polarize that too much and say things were either all bad or all good. And that's almost never the case. No, that's that's absolutely not the case. It, it certainly hasn't been the case in my life. Is there anything you would add to the piece now? I think the message that I wanted to convey specifically to my mother was, I think I wanted her to know that I'm aware of a lot of the challenges and a lot of the heartache and a lot of the hurt and anxiousness I've created for her. You know, I think I wanted her to know that I'm aware of that and that I appreciate it. And like I said, the last line is, and thank her for being my mama. I think that's pretty much what I wanted to portray was that I'm, I'm aware of these things. I'm aware that they've, they've hurt and they've caused you some, some grief, you know, and thank you for being my mom. That, that was in essence what it was. I'll say one thing my mother was always really great at was loving us. Whether we were horrible, rotten kids who just gave her the day from hell before my dad got home or everything was going fine, you know, everything was operating smoothly. My mom always, always made sure that we knew that she loved us. So I try to do the same thing with my kids. Three of my boys are grown. So that has some challenges when your kids are grown and out of the house. But I do, whether it's through messaging, you know, when I do get to see them all, I do. I try to love my kids the same way my mom loved us. Is there anything you would add to the piece now? I think I would talk a little more about, because I mentioned in the piece, I haven't always been close to my parents. And that was a pretty, that was a pretty dark time for them. It was a pretty hurtful time. I know because we've talked about this before, but I think if I were to add anything to this piece, it would be probably explaining a little bit of the relationship dysfunction in the past. So if I were to add anything, I would, I would probably touch on that and explain that a little, a little more thorough. What do you think you'd say about that? I know that speaking isn't the same as writing, but it's such an interesting topic, the way we try and analyze things that happened in the past to solve our relationships in the present? Hmm, what would I say? Well, I would, you know, a, a part of it, a part, especially the relationship dynamic, it's not that my mother and I were ever at odds. It's not that my mother and I were ever estranged, but I was at odds and I was estranged from my father for a little while. And so my mom, it's such an awful thing to say when you're describing a person, but my relationship with my mom was collateral damage because of that. It wasn't anything because my mother had done. It was the dysfunctional relationship that I had with my father and that she kind of got the brunt of that as far as not seeing us, as far as not talking. So yeah, I would, I would add that in there because I think that's part of the story that needs to be told too, is that it's not that my mother and I have ever had a bad relationship. It's just the collateral damage. Part of the fallout from me having such a bad relationship with my father for so long. At the end of the piece about your mother, you say, I think I'm going to go give her a call and tell her I wrote about her. I have to ask whether you did 
and what she said. I did. I told her I wrote about her and she said, oh, yeah, when am I going to be able to read it? And I said, well, when it's done. So then after it was published on Vocal, I sent it to her um, and she read it and she sent me a message back and she said, thank you so much for writing about me that way. And thank you for your kind words. And I'm proud of you. You know, the, the whole thing that moms do. But yeah, I did. I called her as soon as I was done and said, hey, mom, I wrote about you. And I believe her response was something like, well, I hope it was all good. <laughs> but she's never said anything specific or voiced any specific. Well, maybe we should do this or maybe you could write about that. I would love it if she did. I, I would actually love to sit down with my mom and pick her brain and write a bunch of stories from her because she's she's had an interesting life, too. Well, maybe when she listens to this podcast and hears you say that, she'll be inspired to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Mom, I want to write your story. <laughs> it's a special privilege to be allowed into such a vulnerable space, let alone welcomed, as Jim has done for me and for everyone who's encountered his piece on vocal. Next time on Right Here, Right Now, we touch again on a mother-son relationship, but our focus is on a much broader dynamic, our relationship with the natural world. Tune in for What is Plant Blindness by Farmer Nick. Whoever you are, whatever your story, Vocal belongs to you. If you like the show, come be a part of where it all got started. Join me and the rest of our brilliant creators on vocal.media where you can post, read, and comment. If you like what you hear, join us for season two of Right Here, Right Now, when we dive into stories from the Vocal Plus Fiction Anthology. And of course, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Right Here, Right Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Erica Wagner. Thanks for listening. Right Here, Right Now is produced by Vocal in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Jacob Fromer and Andrew Hurwitz, and the team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Ashton Carter, Rebecca Chasson, Carter Wogan, and Morgan Foose.